0: What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate. Now, look, for those of y'all who are new here, the purpose of Living Corporate is to create a space that affirms Black and Brown experiences in the workplace, right? There are certain things that only we can really understand. And when I say we, I mean the collective non-white professional <laughs> in corporate America. Um, and when we look around, if you like Google being Black and Brown in corporate America, you may see like a post. I'm um, in Huffington Post or something that kind of communicates from a position of lack. But I don't know if we necessarily have a lot of content that empowers and affirms our identity and our experience. And that's really the whole purpose of Living Corporate. It's with that that I'm really excited to talk to y'all about the See It to Be It series. Amy C. Waniger, who has been a guest on the show, who's a writer for Living Corporate and who's also the author of Network Beyond Bias. um, She's actually partnered with Living Corporate to actually have an interviewing series where she actually sits down with black and brown professionals so that we can learn about what they actually do and see ourselves in these roles, right? So it's a variety of industries that she's she's talking to a lot of different types of folks. You're gonna be able to see what they do, and at the same time, you're gonna hopefully be able to envision yourself in that role. Hence the title, "See It to Be It." Okay. So check this out. The next thing you're gonna hear is this interview with Amy C. Waninger. Y'all hang tight. Catch y'all next time. Peace.
1: Today's See It To Be It guest is Rebecca Ratliff. Rebecca is a former commercial complex casualty insurance professional with 25 years of experience. She is now the president of Capital City Mediations, a national mediation arbitration and consulting firm. She's a highly sought after presenter and lecturer in the insurance and legal industries. Rebecca holds a degree in psychology from the University of Illinois at Urbana. She lives in Atlanta, Georgia, and operates internationally. Please welcome Rebecca Ratliff. Thank you so much for being with me today. How are you? I am fine, Amy. Thank you. How are you doing today? I am doing well. I am so glad to have you on the show today because you do something that is unique within our industry, and I was wondering if you could tell me just a little bit about that.
2: Sure. Okay. Well, I am a mediator, arbitrator, and consultant. I have a background um, of over two decades in the insurance industry as a complex casualty claims adjuster. So that's where I developed my subject matter expertise for the areas um, that I mediate and arbitrate. And so clients from across the country, uh, they call upon me to consult with them about their cases, tell them what their cases are worth. I do quite a bit of Uh, lecturing at law schools and colleges and speaking um, for legal and insurance uh, associations.
1: Now, when you say mediation and arbitration, those are a little bit different from each other. Can you explain for people who are not familiar with those terms what mediation is and what arbitration is?
2: Yes, thank you for that. There is a distinction that's important. Mediation, I always say in opening statements, mediation is successful because it's a Effective because it is collaborative and it's confidential. As a mediator, um, I am a facilitator. So I pass the messages back and forth between parties and I help them facilitate a resolution. But free will is the key in mediation. And in, in mediation, it's self determining. That's one of the big canons of mediation. I don't get to decide and I don't convince. I don't act in the capacity of an advisor. I am a neutral in arbitration, I am also a neutral, but I get to decide. I make the decision. Um, I ask for, I can subpoena records and, um, subpoena people. And I ask for evidence. I bring the uh, parties together, consider the evidence, and then I make the decision. And there is non-binding mediation. I'm sorry, non-binding arbitration. And there is non-binding, there's non-binding and binding arbitration is what I'm trying to say. Um, and, In non-binding, if the parties don't like my decision, then they can have it vacated. But if they, um, in in a binding arbitration, they don't have a choice. So my decision stands. And in arbitration, my decisions get reversed less than a judge's decision might. Very hard to get a decision reversed in arbitration.
1: And so what is the training? I know you mentioned that you had uh, complex complex casualty adjusting experience, but what is the training or the licensing or the education necessary to do the kind of work you do in mediation and arbitration? Do you have to be an attorney, for example, or what are the what are the rules?
2: I am not an attorney, um, so you do not have to be an attorney. In some states, um, parties prefer having an attorney, but what's nice about my background it is, is that it's equipped me to facilitate compromises from the perspective of the payer, uh, because I was the adjuster. And so I know if it's an insurance, if insurance is on the defense side, I know what they're thinking. But the training um, here in Georgia was 40 hours of mediation training um, and then arbitration. It was, was, I think it was five days for mediation. And then for arbitration, it was a little less than that. Um, But then I registered with the state. So I am Supreme, Georgia Supreme Court certified or registered as a mediator and arbitrator. And there are firms uh, around here in Georgia and in most states where they will train you for mediation and arbitration. It helps to have the subject matter expertise because you can understand the issues that, uh, that come to you in the hearings.
1: Okay, and so do you work exclusively with insurance cases or do you work with also like marital arbitrations or divorce dissolutions and those sorts of things?
2: I am actually uh, certified as a civil and domestic mediator and arbitrator, so I can do family matters, um, uh, parenting plans, you know, disputes, um, marriage dissolution assistance where the terms are being worked out um, through mediation or arbitration. I can do that. Um, And the civil areas are medical malpractice. Uh, Commercial premises liability, auto and trucking, personal injury, wrongful death, products, construction, nursing home litigation, municipal um, liability. So some of the cases that you're seeing in the news, I'm the consultant on. Um, For instance, the Las Vegas mass shooting case, the $800 million settlement that was reached. I was consultant for one of the attorneys on that case. Um, So I enjoy applying the um, knowledge that I have from insurance uh, to to these cases in consultation. Mostly my, my clients are insurance companies and then of course lawyers bring their clients, uh, their defense lawyers, if they're hired by the insurance carrier, but they just bring their clients to me. I generally don't work with um, parties who are not represented. It is just it's so much harder to work with. I have, but that's very rare. Um, it's, it's harder to work with clients because of the emotion involved, especially in domestic matter. It's very, very hard to work with those clients because then you're, you know, you're the neutral, but you're also a referee in a way that you really don't want to be. So um, I am also a minority business enterprise and a woman business enterprise. Uh, So I am certified to, I'm I'm vetted for corporate and government work as well.
1: Congratulations on your certifications. Those are not easy to get. It's a lot of paperwork.
2: We bank is not...
1: (laughs) They don't mess around. <laughs> they yeah, want an see... MSDC and WeBank. <laughs> yeah. yep. They want to see everything you've ever done financially. It's everything. It's it's a it's an ordeal. I went through that um, as it's a early. certified Weeby women's business enterprise and um, it was nice because for me I'm also a, an LGBT business enterprise and the certifying arm for that is the NGLCC and they will basically you take what you did for the WeBank Yep, certification, yep. and you say, here, here, I have the certification, and here's why I also qualify for your certification, which was that's great. Right.
2: Yeah, that um, is great.
1: But there aren't a lot of them that have that reciprocity, and so, like, some of these are are lengthy and difficult. So, congratulations because those Thank are you. not easy, not easy to get. Yeah, uh, but they certainly yeah. open doors that that are hard to open otherwise. So, yes, that's right. That's awesome. So, okay. So I want to get back to this mediation arbitration thing. I think this is like, this is super exciting. So you're kind of in between. And if I, if I understand this correctly, you've got two opposing parties and then they have attorneys that kind of calm them down and then bring (laughs) the facts and not the emotion to you. And then you work with the attorneys to come to an agreement that is mutually agreeable in the, in terms of mediation or that is fair based on precedent in terms of arbitration, right?
2: That's very well explained. Um, the only the only thing that I would add is I do see motion because usually the, the attorneys bring their clients with them. Okay. <laughs> so I do, yeah, they don't show up just as the representative. Um, I do see the clients and... Uh, The thing about mediation, if you're talking about civil mediation, the emotion is mostly on one side, because if you're dealing with an insurance carrier on the defense side, it's a business decision. Um, So, but in domestic, both are emotional because they may be arguing, you know, they're quarreling potentially over the kids and maybe even the dog. Um, Sometimes there is a lamp or piece of furniture in the house that is sentimental, heirlooms, um, that people are fighting over and it can be, get pretty contentious. Um, so yeah, so that was more than you asked for, but yeah, (laughs) that is, that,
1: that was well said. You got it. Okay, great. In the work that you do, do you have the experience a lot of times of being the only in the Uh, room? (laughs) I would guess that that's the case. It's probably not very often that you show up and it's like black women court. Have you seen that video? Them. i haven't i would oh, oh is so, that something that's yeah a thing? it's it's like a meme where where all the women are um you know the judge is a black woman both attorneys are black <laughs> women the stenographer the bailiff like everybody they're like hey like you know oh, <laughs> like, never oh, happens. Wait, we're both yeah, here right look happened. at us so i'm guessing yes. that's not your day-to-day No, that's never happened to me, actually.
2: Um, There are so (laughs) many times, especially as a commercial adjuster, um, I got to handle cases that were in the millions, and I handled uh, cases in almost all 50 states and internationally. I was a a global consultant for one of the commercial carriers, um, and I've also handled at the primary and excess levels. So millions and then the next layers of the millions, um, uh, millions on top of millions. And so I've uh, had quite a rich Um, experience in deciphering, you know, I was the, as the adjuster, you are the, um, investigator, evaluator, negotiator. And so, um, imagine me walking into a room as an African-American female, a young African-American female, and I'm the person with the pocketbook. So I've had people not want to shake my hand on the other side. Oh, it's been, yeah, it's been quite the experience, but it, it gave me the, t- it toughened me. Um, I don't take it personally. I'm still the, more, the person with the money. So whether you like me or not. And so it helped me to develop a posture that was important for the work that I do now in arbitration
1: and mediation. And so that must get lonely too, though. So where do you go for community? Because you can't, I'm guessing, and, you know, I've been, you know, as a woman in IT, right, I've been the only woman on the team. Um, But I know that when you have the intersection of of race and gender, you know, as an other in those kinds of situations, it gets lonely, it gets demoralizing, and you've got to have a place where you go, where you're around people that know what you're going through and that can kind of build you back up. So where do you go for that? That's a great question. Okay, so we have African-American female,
2: add the insurance industry, which is historically pale, male, and stale, and then add not being a lawyer, mediator, and arbitrator. So where I go is, I just jump in because I go where I wanna go. (laughs) So uh, I am the secretary of the alternative dispute resolution section of the National Bar Association. And for the American Bar Association, I am the co-chair of the dispute resolutions uh, diversity committee. So I just seek to do good work. I don't worry about um, where I'm invited because once they meet me, they'll invite me the next time. So um, I belong to organizations. Well, first of all, let me start here. I have a great family I had parents who taught me that nobody was better than me and that I could do anything that I set out to do. And if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And that's what people know about me. And so let's start there. But then I have great siblings. My parents, our parents taught us to love each other. We couldn't say shut up to each other. We had to play fair. We couldn't cheat each other. Um, I had old school parents and so we couldn't cheat each other if we were playing a game of sorry or scrabble or whatever it was we couldn't cheat each other he taught us uh, my dad especially he was just really a stickler for treating people well and the golden rule Um, so I build relationships pretty easily Um, you know unless you have some ill intent we can get along so I've joined these organizations and the relationships that I've built have afforded me amazing and extraordinary and unique opportunities in the legal and insurance industries. Um, I mentioned to you, I speak, you know, quite a bit in uh, even as a lecturer at law schools. I mean, well, how does that happen? So um, I, you know, I, I really do give credit to my faith. Um, I believe that that God has allowed me to be placed in the work that I'm purposeful in. I I believe I'm walking in my purpose. And so I kind of have a tough skin. Um, It is lonely sometimes, but I have a sister or two that they travel with me when I go to some of these um, conferences so that I don't have to be on 10 the whole time. You can't be on 10 the whole time. Sometimes you just need to decompress. And so I have little mechanisms that uh, I employ to make sure that I'm emotionally healthy when I'm moving in and out of these circles that I work in can be pretty contentious and so um but again the relationships that i've built but i have a very support i have a great support system second to none
1: that is so fantastic to hear and i think we all need that and i know you and i actually met in these down spaces in the conferences and the unwind um i think we full disclosure we met in the hotel bar. Uh, we met in the hotel bar. Friend. Hotel bar, mutual <laughs> friend. But, you know, it was so great to meet you in that way because we were sitting there over drinks and we just, you know, we got real, real quick, didn't we? I mean, it was, it was relaxing. It was a really good way to meet and connect. And, you know, I think we built a lifelong friendship over, over a mojito. and Which I am
2: very grateful for. Me yes. too.
1: Me too. I pieces. So tell me a little bit about, you know, as you look toward the future of the work that you do, mediation, arbitration. Where do you see the talent needs headed? Do you think this is going to be in higher demand? Do you? I mean, this doesn't seem like a job robots will take over. No, um, a robot cannot connect with people
2: and understand the human condition and help to facilitate compromises. Um, you have to use every active listening skill you've ever learned in mediation and arbitration. They are becoming, those areas of work are becoming more popular, very, very well needed. And there's so many different areas um, that people are specializing in, in addition to the traditional areas that you hear about. Um, we didn't talk about criminal, but there's also um, people who have mental illness, need special attention in a mediation and arbitration setting. Um, I dealt with a matter a couple of months ago Um and it was a full circle moment because the company that I left to launch my own um, practice as an entrepreneur hired me to do a mediation a couple months ago. so it was amazing. and the, the uh, plaintiff on the other side was pro se, meaning they, he did not have a lawyer. and um, I got some information before the hearing to make sure that it would be that he would have capacity. Um, he's a PTSD um, post-traumatic stress disorder diagnosed veteran. And, um, I wanted to know if he even had capacity to be in that hearing, but I have a psychology degree from the university of Illinois. So, um, you know, I, I don't have a graduate degree in psychology, but I understand people very well. I have a discernment of people. Um, but I just took my time with that, um, uh, with that case. And I assured him that I didn't have anywhere else to be that day. And, uh, found out before we did the joint opening sessions, whether he even wanted to have a joint opening session or did he just want to speak with me. And he wanted to have his day in the hearing. He wanted to be heard. He wanted to be able to express himself and trial was imminent. So I wanted to give him that opportunity because in trial, he's got the, you know, the rules. You can't just talk emotion. You've got to stick to what the judge um, has told you that you can talk about in that case. And so, um, We were able to work through that case and it was very gratifying to me to help him reach the resolution because I really didn't think he could endure a trial. And I was able to, as a neutral, um, just facilitate the messaging back and forth, um, keeping in mind that everybody, you know, people really don't wanna be in dispute. People do not wanna be in dispute. And most people who come to alternative dispute resolution sessions, they are coming because they want to settle the matter and move on and so I just kept I had the opportunity to emphasize and I believe it was an opportunity for me um to emphasize to him how important it it was for him to move on and spend time with his granddaughter who was clearly the most important person in his life but I made it clear to him that it wasn't my decision that day there would only be a resolution if, if both parties agreed to it but that day was um it really meant something to me because at the end of the hearing after the settlement, he thanked me. Um, he thanked me. And he said, I know I was really hard on you. And, you know, and I said, we're okay. And I I, I actually had sat at one point um, in a private session with him and watched him have a conversation with a voice in his head and wondered for a moment whether or not I was even safe in the room with him. But we were able to get it, you know, we were able to get it done. And so, Um, I just think your heart has to be in the right place. If you, uh, are a professional who is interested in alternative dispute resolution, you have to keep in mind that the most important thing is that, you know, the messaging be accurate and that people have the opportunity to, to get out what they want to say and how they feel each party has to have their, and some of their interests met. It's a compromise and everybody has to give and take. And I'll say in, in my hearings that, um, Nobody is supposed to feel like they won in a mediation. In a mediation, everybody gives a little. The defense is supposed to feel like they paid too much, and the plaintiff is supposed to feel like they didn't get enough. And that's a, a successful mediation in my book. Um, but I, I will have to say, so there are opportunities coming. Um, certainly, uh, the industries. Uh, recognize that mediation and arbitration are important um, and you know that because in your cell phone contract there is probably a mandatory arbitration clause Um, you'll see now that companies are using mediation and arbitration more but in addition to that I have to say the insurance industry was is the best kept secret careers and insurance are the best kept secret Um, I am part of an effort through uh, an organization that I lead. I'm the president of the Atlanta Association of Insurance Professionals. And that is the local chapter of NIA, the National African American Insurance Association. And NIA um, presidents are doing some important things in the industry to bring diverse talent um, in. Because we have 400,000 insurance professionals aging out. The baby boomers are aging out of the industry And there are going to be jobs available in the next five to seven years with um, companies where young people coming out of college can build transferable skills for a lifetime. The skills that I have to be an effective mediator and arbitrator came from my career in the insurance industry of, of 25 years. So I want to also emphasize gaining subject matter expertise as an underpinning to go into something like dispute resolution um, because insurance touches everything it's recession proof again you build transferable skills it's lucrative you can have longevity and there are trade associations that will support a career in insurance um, one of the things that i'm very proud of recently is um, I'm the, again i'm the president of NIA atlanta there is uh, the president of Naya Hartford and Ghazi and and the president of Naya Florida have teamed up with me. And there are we do have some other professionals um, who are supporting what we do. But we are going after the talent at, at HBCUs. It's the impact program. It started at Morehouse. Um, the Atlanta chapter had the opportunity last year of meeting a young man at Morehouse. We did a session where, where we took some professionals over for a panel. But it was homecoming week. So it was a bad idea. And um, <laughs> not that many students showed up. But the ones who were supposed to be there were there. And we met a young man who we offered support in getting an adjuster's license over Christmas break. And he did that. Um, his name is Cortland Mallory. And he has been the face of the impact program. Uh, He went Christmas break and he got his licensing in adjusting. We supported him through the program. We have a member of my chapter who owns an insurance school. I have two people who own insurance schools here in Atlanta, Ron Thomas, uh, R.S. Thomas and Associates and uh, Tamara Gatson of Gatson Training Associates. And um, he went to Ron's school just because it was closer um, in proximity to where he was. He got his license and adjuster and then went on and took uh, the test for agency and he's a licensed life agent as well. So this kid graduated from Morehouse in May and he's working in our industry. Uh, I named that program Impact. Uh, I like, you know, I like acronyms and so the acronym stands for Insurance Mentoring Program Advanced Career Track. And so we basically took that model and rolled it in. So uh, me and the other two presidents that I mentioned have started programs at FAMU. Um, That's Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University in Tallahassee, Florida, and also at Bethune-Cookman University in Daytona Beach. We launched those programs in October, the IMPACT program, um, and that's the the mother program, and we named uh, those programs individually. But now we're going to Savannah State University and North Carolina Central in the spring, Um, and so we have the opportunity to sow good seed. I believe if you sow good seed, you'll reap good seed. And so we are going after the diverse talent at the uh, historically black colleges and universities or HBCUs um, to ensure that those students have some education and information about career opportunities and insurance. And then there are trade associations available like NIA, like RIMS for risk management, CLM, Claims Litigation Management. I'm very good friends with the president and CEO Ann Bloom um we've got some damage we plan to do in the future some collaborations coming um so there is support there is support for developing skills um where you can make money and anybody you can make you can major in anything and be in the insurance industry that's what people don't know um you don't have to have a risk management insurance program at your school Um, We partner heavily with Georgia State University here. I sit on the Risk Management Foundation Advisory Board for Georgia State University. We also have a great relationship with the University of Georgia here and they have great risk management programs. But there are schools who have a business school or don't have any of that and um, we are spreading the love. We are, you know, getting around and making sure that those students have exposure to the information for careers and insurance.
1: And I love what you said about the, the industry, you know, the jobs being uh, the best kept secret, right? Because they are invisible jobs. People don't see them, right? There's no, um, you know, there's no game show on TV who wants to be an insurance adjuster, right? Like the, Nobody just, talks about nobody it. Nobody talks about it. And, and unfortunately I think there are, there's a, a stereotype that's to some extent true that a lot of folks in the industry, right? Underwriters, actuaries, they go sit behind a desk and they don't talk to anybody and if yep. they don't talk to people, nobody knows what they do. Right. And so we have to use use our loud mouths, those of us who are extroverted and have been in the industry, right, to mm-hmm. say, hey, you guys, come on, there's there's great work to be done over here and you mm-hmm. can make a good living and do good doing it. And that's exactly
2: right. That's right. And You've got to
1: something. build your, it's a huge network.
2: Um, and most people know what we're discovering is that most people, of course, they know about auto, uh, you know, auto insurance, home insurance, life insurance, health insurance. So when I would say to somebody, I'm an insurance adjuster, they were like, Oh, I want to talk to you about this health claim that the insurance company <laughs> doesn't want to cover. And I'm like, I don't know anything about that. I'm a casualty adjuster. I handle the heavy stuff. Like, um, you know, not that obviously if you're having health problems, that's not heavy, but the, uh, you know, civil matters, casualty matters that are not uh, dealing with criminal insurance-supported um, matters, and so people have no—they just don't know. They just don't know. So uh, we got out there, and you know, we've been out touching these um, these schools, and uh, we have the career centers working with us, and we will be on the campus of AU Center here in Atlanta. We just want to bring more faces of minorities into these industries because. I made a great living as an insurance adjuster. Um, and so it was, you know, it was, it was just my destiny really to, uh, to transition at some point. But um, there are people who have been in the insurance industry for 30 and 40 years before they retire many, um, especially if you worked for a good company um, with, you know, benefits like profit sharing and, you know, uh, supportive, you uh, ERGs or employee resource groups, that's becoming a big thing now too. So there are companies that know that they need to support work-life balance. Um, there's a lot of um, support behind that now. And so they're just great things happening really in the insurance industry and also in the dispute resolution sector.
1: That's fantastic, Rebecca. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your journey with us. I have just two more questions for you. Okay. The first is, when do you feel included?
2: I feel included when I'm asked to serve. I believe that servants are sometimes the least, (laughs) the least thanked, but it's, you know, it's, it's thankless, but it's very gratifying if you understand that you're supposed to do it. Um, Service is a no brainer for me. I've raised a son who is a servant as well. He's a leader and a servant. And um, so I I feel included when I am asked to serve.
1: And when you feel included, what are you capable of?
2: When I feel included, I can bring value. Uh, When I feel included, I feel like it opens up the potential for me to think creatively and to collaborate and to make amazing things happen. Um, with goodwill and with the amazing people that I've been able to meet. So yeah, I I get to leverage my network and there's nothing better than that.
1: Rebecca Ratliff, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Amy. Thanks for having me.
0: Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by
2: David Dawkins.